0: Lifestyle matters, it's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmelian, my co-host here, Dave Popovich. How are you doing? Good, Faisal, how about you? I am good. We had a great event Mm -hmm. on Thursday with our clients. We did, a community event. So the PKAG community, um, we get together once a month, clients, their friends, and we talk about a whole bunch of stuff, financial, non-financial, and we actually got to do two things that we both like to to talk about. Mm -hmm. Traveling. Mm -hmm. And alcohol. And have a little bit of wine, right? Have a little bit of wine. Why yep. not? Yep. And it was very interesting how the group got together and so forth. And they were talking about lifestyle and some of the concerns. And of course, in uh, this week in the markets, when you see this type of volatility, people start thinking, can I do the things I want to do yep. in my retirement? Yeah. So let's chat about what happened in the market this week.
1: Okay. Um, now, before we do that, uh, the show, we're going to cover a lot of ground uh, today and some of the interesting topics. There's I turned 55, as you know. That had an impact on me.
0: You were waiting for a comment from me. I could see. That. Yeah,
1: I was. I, I, and I had, it was an impact. I joke about it. But I actually am available to get seniors discount some places Yay! now. Yay! Yeah. I'm not so sure how I feel about that. So we're going to explore a little bit about how the mindset around aging and age itself affects people's life and quality of retirement. So that'll be an interesting one. How about uh, healthcare decisions? How about advocating? For yourself, um, health is going to be the health bucket is going to be an important piece of everybody's retirement experience. To whatever extent it's going to
0: be, right? And I think that there's a lot in regards to the healthcare system that we just take for face value, mm-hmm. and there's a lot that we can do to kind of get the outputs that we want. I've learned that through other people, or yes. if you kind of just become the squeaky wheel, you will get the grease in the system. But if you just go along with whatever they tell you, you just deal with whatever you deal with, yep. and that may not be what you're looking
1: for. Yeah, and advocate for yourself. We're going to talk about that. Okay, so back to the markets, because Faisal, the markets were, uh, were wild again this week. At least that's how it felt for a lot of people, right? What's the impact here? What's, what, what should people be, be keeping their eye on?
0: You know, when, you're gonna, when you get a lot of data, either from company earnings, Some of the major retail operations in home improvement Mm -hmm. or retail had some interesting numbers on both sides of of that spectrum. When you look at the impacts of surprise, inflation isn't dropping as fast as you thought it was. But it is dropping. Um, But it is dropping. So it's decelerating, but it's not decelerating fast enough to somebody's expectation. Um, I gave you a look for those of you on I can't see. I'm giving him a look because when I hear the words expectation, whose expectations are we taking on? And and, and there's also the the gyration of what what should be the fair market value of certain investments. <clears throat> now you and I had a great discussion Thursday morning. Walk me through the the first thought that came out from this client, and then how you how we kind of had that conversation.
1: Yeah. So, um, so it's set up to be fear, really what's going to happen. We're going to, we were negative last year. was a tough year last year and things are going down again this year. Maybe we're going to be negative. What do we do about that? Do we change everything? Do we go to cash? What should we do? So the fear and the panic is starting to set back in the anxiety.
0: So now people are going to be anchored to certain points of data or, they want some warning sign that things are better or worse. And Thursday morning, you and I had a conversation about a client who basically had a reaction triggered by what's going on. Yep. And should I go to cash? Should yep. I, you know, let's just load up on cash? And I'm talking about your growth structure. So the first thing, when you structure your portfolio for retirement, you need two buckets of of capital. One bucket is designed for income and cash flow. It's not stock market related. It doesn't have that type of volatility. You're not going to get 20, 30, 40% gyrations in that. Your growth bucket has to have a mixture. We call it the five pillars. Right. So you don't have to have high volatility, but you can have market-like performance. Now, the problem is that when you have this type of volatility, especially after a tough year like 2022, it's easy to feel that if interest rates are 4 or 5% in GICs, High interest savings accounts are offering four percent. Why deal with all this stuff right. and just park your money? Right. What are your thoughts about that?
1: So, I've got some strong opinions on that because it's a it's a question of the longer term strategy, right? So we talk about this often, um, and and part of the debate uh, on Thursday was around short term. What period are we trying to navigate through? Um, and so the the risk. Faisal, I think that when people fall subject to those emotions and that anxiety, is they'll start to make short-term decisions. And let's just take the headline, okay? Whatever headline they're anchored to on a given day, jobs are too strong. Inflation was a little higher than expectations somewhere, some way. (laughs) The problem is there's a whole bunch of moving parts.
0: Do you know, this is what frustrates me about the business media, the media, not the people who are working in our industry specifically, but the media. The media will look for the most. Dramatic. Dramatic output and focus on that yes. individual. Now, everybody has a model, a view, a, an opinion on how things are going. Right. Apparently, opinions are worth more than fact. Uh, the reaction yeah, that people have <clears> throat> throat> are based upon an opinion of somebody else than the fact that's what's in front of us. Right. Here's my problem. The central bankers, Canada, U.S., Europe, let's start there, with those three regions, all have said inflation still a problem. We're going to continue our path. We may pause. We're data dependent. We're going to fight through this. None of them have said inflation's done. We do expect it to go lower. It's not going to reach our two percent target range. Not this year, not this year. Yep. We are concerned that it's going to be, you know longer than, than we anticipated. That's the fact. Right. Everybody has an opinion based around that point. He mentioned 16 times that inflation is no longer a problem. It's now defla- it's, um, it's decelerating.
1: Is that your central bank voice? That's my central bank
0: voice. Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it it's good? good. Pretty good. It's good. Yeah. Um, so, the the issue I have is that when we start focusing on the opinions of the facts, you're going to see a lot of volatility.
1: Sure, and and listen, the the, the market is forward looking, right? Stocker bond markets are forward looking. So, in essence, they are making some forecasts or guesses about what's going to happen. But think about the short term. Interestingly. We start January, markets had an opinion of one thing. You saw markets go up. They changed the collective opinion, markets go down. They'll change the opinion again based on something and markets will go up and down. So the volatility is a natural part of investing.
0: I yelled at you on Thursday. And I yelled Just at Thursday? You, or? Just, we're just talking oh, about Thursday oh, only. Stay, okay. stay on time. All right. <laughs> and I said to you out of all those individuals who are giving opinions in the media, what's their portfolio? Right. Is their money where their mouth is? Right. We heard 20, 30% declines in the portfolio. Look at their portfolio. They have a larger percentage in stocks than they do in bonds. Yeah. What?
1: And it's an excellent point because it's. The dramatic headline doesn't match the behavior.
0: Do you right? know if I went around the media circuit and I said to them, structure and discipline will give you results? That's, that's my media voice.
1: Okay. Yeah. Wow. Just Sounds so a lot like your uh, central bank voice. A
0: little bit different than central okay. bank voice. <laughs> if, I, if I gave that out, I'd get no interviews. Right. But if I said, get ready, the markets are going to collapse. Right. I'll get... Interview after interview after interview. Right, hundred percent. And then when they look at my portfolio, and they go, "Hang on, you said the markets are going to collapse, but why does your portfolio have right. exposure to stock markets? Why don't you just pull out of the stock market, go into cash, go into bonds, yep. go into GICs?" Right. Wait. Right. And then what do they say? Right. No one's ever asked them that question. Right. Why are you calling a major drop, and then your portfolio has stocks? I have yet to see a stock bond manager, balanced manager. Balanced. Yep. Yeah push their portfolio to an extreme based on their opinion.
1: Yeah, 100% cash, 100% bonds. On the
0: opposite side, I haven't seen a bond manager say, oh, this is a great time for stocks. I'm gonna go to cash and bonds because it's not gonna outperform because they're not measured against that. Right. I've never seen a stock manager say, get out of stocks, go to bonds. But when you look at those chief investment officers and you look at what the portfolio is, they give you headline fear but they don't put their money where their mouth is.
1: And nor do they put probability of what that headline fear is. Well,
0: some do. Some do. I'll give some credit to some of the major mm. ones in the States. Not that- the
1: headlines. Faisal, I had a unique experience recently. I turned 55.
0: Uh-oh.
1: Yeah. So, And it was I, a bit weird because you, I mean, I, I tell you about all my experiences because <laughs> you're looking into your future here. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I joked a little bit about it, but I actually can get seniors discounts now. And as fun as that is, it it, it weighs on me a little I bit. I am
0: so excited for this because now I get 10% off yep. at the pharmacy whenever I go uh, with you. I know. I know. The good thing is I get 10% off. The bad thing is I have to hang out with you a bit more. <laughs> but it's it's going it, to, I like this. This is like discounts for Faisal. Well, I,
1: I I love the financial benefits of it to the extent I can help you. But it is, you know, it, it has affected the way I think a little bit. And it, it weighs on me sometimes. I go, wait a minute. I, I can't reconcile 55 for you know the guy, I think is still twenty five. So
0: how does it feel when you go to the back of the menu to pick out what you want to eat?
1: Well, what because it's a bit cheaper. No, that's not the problem. The problem is I can't even see it anymore. So I got to get the phone out and enlarge it. Gotcha. There's all kinds of weird stuff gotcha. that's going gotcha. on. you. Gotcha.
0: So you know, aging and now that marker that you picked, fifty five being being a concern. You know, we want to talk about. You know, there's that's a big impact, but it it's is. a mindset that people get through. And yeah. I think we need to have a bit of a discussion as people go through this phase we call aging. Or retirements
1: and how you think about age. Michael Taylor is joining us today. He's a life coach, and he's also the author of "I'm Not Okay with Gray: How to Create an Extraordinary Life After 50." Michael, welcome to the show.
2: Hello, guys. Glad to be here. <laughs> so, tell
1: me about my experience, Michael. Am I normal, or you know, where do wh- what's going on here?
2: Well, you're normal, and that's the conversation that I'm trying to change. Because in the book, I talk about what I call the societal roller coaster. And I think what happens is most of us get on this roller coaster, don't even know we're stuck on it. And so the roller coaster tells us that, you know, when we're a certain age, we should do this. You know, if we, you know, we have all these rules, shall I say that society puts out. And one of the rules is that getting older is a bad thing. And I I completely disagree with that. I think we can actually get better as we move forward. Now, here's an interesting thing that a lot of people don't recognize. They are predicting within the next 20 years or so, 20 to 30 years the average lifespan is going to get to be 110, 120 years old. Because of the advances we're making in medicine and science and technology, our lifespans are going to increase. So the question becomes, how are we going to live the second half of our lives? And I say it all begins with your mindset. And so what I've done is I've made a commitment to empower people to change their mindsets about aging so they can make the rest of their lives the best of their lives. So, Michael, I, I, I want to kind of challenge this because... I'll tell
0: you the story. I was in a restaurant yesterday, um, and there was an individual, and she had her child and her parent, mm-hmm. okay? The way she spoke to her three-year-old child was the exact same way she spoke to her adult parent. And she said to that parent in the same tone as if it was a three-year-old, and that mindset of, I need to speak to you slower. You're not able to understand what's going on. That's the society viewpoint to some degree of what, as people age, they're not the same as they were. And so they should be treated differently or like when they were a child. Mm-hmm. So when you say mindset, what are a couple of pieces of information, ideas, or tips that you give out to in your book or to your to your audience on what's the few things that they can do that would help them with their mindset?
2: Well, first of all, we need to become aware of what we believe and why we believe it. Now, I'm 62, I'll be 63. I honestly feel like I'm still in my 30s. Now, I have an intention of living to be a minimum of 100 years old. That's just a goal of mine. I wanna live to see three digits. So I have a mindset that's preparing me to move towards that. Now, I can't guarantee that I'm gonna live to be 100. But it is that intention, it is that mindset that allows me to number one, start taking better care of my health, becoming aware of what I'm putting in my mind, understanding what types of relationships I have. So I'm setting myself up to move toward that, but it begins with my willingness to look at what I believe about aging. And I think that's where it needs to start. Every individual needs to ask themselves, so what are my beliefs about aging? Do I believe that as I get older, I'm going to decline in my health. Am I going to decline in my mental fa- facility? What, you know, what's the mindset? So I really challenge people to do that. So I, I like what you did there. You picked an age you want to reach for.
0: It's When we start planning for our clients' retirement plans, we have a, a bias to, to re- plan for the long term, let's say 90, 95 years of age. But when we talk about longevity in a person's life, they're always playing the, the negative side of it. Or yeah. they, don't, they don't think they're gonna live forever unless there's longevity in the family. They're like, oh, my cousin twice removed, had a heart attack at 60, therefore I'm gonna live to 61 if I'm lucky. And you're like, "Well, wait a minute. It's not how it works, right? There's a lot more <laughs> issues than for longevity. We always downplay our, our target age, but you actually upplayed your target age. How easy is it to make that transition to someone who's always thought, They're going to pass away at a a very younger age than what they they normally do in in reality. And and how do they get over that, that that little hurdle?
2: Well, let me tell you how my mindset changed. So when I was 23, I was living the American dream. I had the house, the wife, the 2.5 kids and all that. And by society standards, I was successful. Within about a six-year time frame, that American dream turned into the American nightmare. As I went through a divorce, bankruptcy, foreclosure, depression, I was homeless for two years living out of a car. And so I went through this amazing journey of transformation because most of my life I had been chasing money. I'd been chasing stuff. And what I realized after losing everything, that stuff wasn't the real issue. What I really wanted was to be happy. And so I needed to figure out how to be happy. And so that's when I went on this journey. Now, this journey was dealing with some childhood stuff, dealing with a bunch of emotional baggage that I had. So I had to be willing to kind of unpack a lot of that. But it really boiled down to The one thing I wanted more than anything was to simply be happy. And when I got to that point where I was happy, I went, oh, let me share what I learned along the way. And that's when I started writing books. So in answer to your question, what I do is one of the things that we seldom do as as human beings is set intentions. Now, some people would call it goals. I like the word intention better. So I'm setting an intention to live to be a hundred. And in setting that intention, it completely changes how I see the world. Because now I'm looking at it, number one, from a positive perspective. I don't see getting old as a bad thing. I see it as a really good thing. And so that's the mind shift that I'm trying to get people to recognize.
1: Michael, you started that transition arguably at a very early age. You started thinking about those things. So how do you coach a guy like me? Right, I hit 55, and I'm a bit weirded out by this, I have to say. And to your point, I think fairly... I'm thinking about some of the negative stuff, right? Oh, you know, it's getting harder to lose weight. Uh, The working out kind of, it hurts a little bit more the day after, those kinds of things. So you start with a guy at my age. uh, How do you change my perception? Where do I start to say, great, now I've got the flexibility of thought to go to 100, and that gives me a long runway from here?
2: Well, first of all, we have this idea in our society that there's a quick fix to everything, and we think there's instant, we want this instant gratification. We want to boom. Let's just take a pill, and everything's going to be great. It doesn't work that way. It is a process of transforming how we think. And so that's why I'm such a huge proponent of books. I love reading books because it gives me information. And once I have that information and knowledge, then I can take it and apply it. And so that's why I write. So for you, you know, I I recommend, look, my book or any book, but start changing our mindset because we've all heard the term G-I-G-O, right? Garbage in, garbage out. So what we're putting in our minds is going to lay the foundation for how we live our lives, because what we think about, we bring about. And so if I'm thinking about the positive, if I'm, fo- if I'm focusing my attention on getting better, guess what happens? I start bringing that into my, my reality.
1: Love it. I think, I think you're exactly right, actually. And I have started thinking about that. I talked to my wife about it, and that's what she says. Like, Why, you know, why first of all, do you think about that? So it's that internal dialogue, I think, is an important piece of it. Absolutely. And then ultimately, if that internal dialogue is consistent, I'm hoping that I won't be so weirded out by by the age. Right. I
0: love the line, "What we think about, we bring about." So for Dave, he needs to do that. You need to get it, you need to get Michael's book and and take a look at it. Michael, if anybody wants a, a copy of your book, where do they find it?
2: Just go to CoachMichaelTaylor.com. That's Michael M I C H A E L. CoachMichaelTaylor.com. And remember, guys, here's the thing. I my tagline is. I am an irrepressible optimist with a passion for the impossible, and so basically, what I'm what I'm suggesting is there are a lot more things that are right with the world than are wrong with it, and we can have complete control of our destiny if we're willing to change our mindsets.
0: Fantastic! If you want to also figure out a way to reach out with Michael, and you want to go through us, by all means, we'd be happy to connect you with Michael, his book, and all of his entire program. Just go to, go to morethanmoneyradio.com
1: If we had a healthcare system that could create a pill. And that pill would allow you to take it today. And you would know you could live to age 200 healthy. Healthy. Would you take the pill? Okay. What do you say?
0: So we had this discussion before the commercial, or during the commercial break. And you and I have different answers. I don't think I'd take the pill.
1: And I said instantly, absolutely, give me the pill. Why? Well, because I thought about um, all the things it would allow me to do. I've got lots of interests, right? This has been a great career, don't get me wrong, and I'm going to enjoy this right through to the end. But wouldn't it be fun to do something else for 20 or 30 years and become, a, become an expert in something? That, for me, could be studying history. right? I could go back to university and study history and then be a history professor. right? I love archaeology. I'd love to go and do a dig somewhere sometime. some point in that 200 years, I'm going to Mars.
0: Right. I just thought you wanted to live longer so you see if all the Star Trek shows that you watch actually <laughs> come true.
1: I've, well, I've told my girls that they can be anything they want to be as long as it's on a starship, so I get to go, right? So I can just skip that. They don't. I don't have to put that pressure on them. I can go. So my my thought was initially when you said, you know, when we were, had you posed this question and, and my instant reaction was, man, that would give me so much time to do all these cool things without the pressure of thinking about what the next 35 years might look like, you know, age expectancy
0: today. I like where we are from a life expectancy perspective in this country. <clears throat> and you can take 83 years of age for male on the, on the life expectancy and we plan for 90 to 95 for our clients, I'll even go to 90, 95. But to add an extra hundred years
1: so, why would you say no though? let's think about the think about the perspective right you've You've said no, I don't want to do any of those other things. I want to be done at a certain time what
0: What would drive that? I think it's too long. I think that's that that runway of a hundred plus years is way too long, and I like the fact knowing that it's less than a hundred personally. I like the fact knowing that assuming i can be healthy and literally it's healthy and then dead like there's no not healthy in between right, 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 okay yeah. no Let's, suffering so, in between i don't yeah. want to have 100 years or 20 years no, no. of unhealthy no no gotta okay? be healthy so we right. understand the basic premise of this is that right. everybody is healthy and then all of a sudden they just evaporate right. okay <laughs> so when i look at that and i go damn that's too long i think 95 is too long right
1: so that's in today's context, right?
0: But 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 the, in the life expectancy of ninety-five, you know what your body and your life will change to oh, oh, healthy, health, healthy. Healthy, I can still be old and healthy. Health, health is a relative word to the age category.
1: Oh, okay, if, so your perception.
0: I, yeah, my perception is that you're not going to be. And I'm I'm forty-eight. A forty-eight-year-old's health for the next hundred and fifty-five years. I don't assume that.
1: Well, that's what. What if the pill did that? Still. That's surprising. Still. I get it if you're thinking about what...
0: That's 152 more years. Fantastic. Get that. Are you kidding me? I think all the cool stuff you could do. Think about how progress doesn't evolve then. What do you mean? What, what happens from one generation to the next generation is evolution of thought, <clears throat> innovation, the forward progress of society. You don't have to slow that down, though. If that pill is out there, it's not just for Faisal; it's out for everybody. Okay. Now everybody can live and think about the people we don't want in the positions of power in this world, mm-hmm. and now they have another hundred years, mm-hmm. okay. hundred and fifty years. Nope. Right. Nope. Oh, it, I it, like the fact that there's a short-term end date because well, that now pushes you're about the people negative to move though. It's all. about the bad people. But 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 that will. That's part of the. That's the side effect of taking the pill. And you know what? solutions would evolve for I agree the bad with you. people. I just don't like it. Right. I just don't like it. Yeah, it, it's really interesting. It doesn't settle for me. It,
1: I, I was actually super shocked when you said that. Yeah,
0: I, and to me, it's it's more of, let's just maximize what we can in this time, because if I got another 152 more years, it slows everything down.
1: Not necessarily. Again, that's an assumption you've made. Why? Why would you slow down? You're like the Energizer bunny. You'd never slow down you do a
0: thousand more things the, the context of what we look at in regards to time would change it would and if that runway is longer it's it makes me it, it, it something inside's getting triggered here bud. Like, yeah. I have no idea what it is i know
1: what it is i know what it is, what it is with you okay, for tell sure me. it's you, there's you love to work at a certain pace and a certain intensity and you would be totally afraid that that intensity and that pace would change because you'd put things off, you'd 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 procrastinate, thinking you have more time. I know exactly how you yeah, work. I think you're right. Yeah, but I think that's an, that's that's not necessarily a fair
0: assumption. So here here's what with that this question in mind, this <clears throat> pill, you can live 150 years longer, or you can live to 200. The the premise that we put on this is that you're going to be healthy throughout your life. Correct. Okay, so we've established. The Maslow's or the hierarchy of needs in the for, for an individual is health. Then the conversation went in, into the into the studio, and there was something else that was brought on. Well, as long as I can maintain my lifestyle, if I had enough money, if I had enough money. And then, well, would you work that whole time? Because technically, if you're forty-eight years of age, you're technically thirty-three years of age, right. in the lifespan, or you're only one third of your life in. You've got two thirds to go. That means your work life your work career could be even longer.
1: Yeah. That That will trigger people.
0: Because you don't you don't all of a sudden have so much more money you can live forever for a hundred years. That's our biggest problem is longevity now. So you need enough wealth or you need to be working and have income coming in for longer periods of time. Well, if that's a concern, no, no, I don't want to live longer because I have to work, then is that a are you happy with what you do or there's a financial piece to this. Yeah. So I, I look at this question and the the, the the conversation that comes out is first health, then wealth. So it's health and wealth yep. are your areas of concern. Yeah. What else concerns people if this was a pill? Those are the those are the That's two big ones. Now, right? now our producer brought on something. Well it depends if everybody else took the pill. Because the people around me that I want to spend my experiences and have have enjoyment with. If they don't take the pill and they live less than I do, I don't want to be a, not around them for. Could you imagine? You're um, forty-eight. My my friends and family members are gone by the time mm-hmm. I'm a hundred, and mm-hmm. I've got a hundred years without them. Mm-hmm. Oh, yep. Okay. So now now we're building this base of health, wealth, and lifestyle, family connection. It's very interesting when you start talking about these things. What's really important? Right. So take a hundred-year retirement, or take a twenty-five-year retirement, or whatever that number is. Those three are exactly the same.
1: Yeah, you know. So where where I started going, where where I was thinking about, we got to wrap this up pretty quickly. Is uh, this is a really fun? Con- it was a fun conversation in the studio. Now I think it's a fun conversation we're having here. But we talk about helping people go through retirement. We don't have that pill, but it is fun to think about all those things that you would do or not do. That's the 31 exercise list that we talk about for couples, right? So so think about this. What is it you would want to do? Try to write down what your your bucket list experiences are and and shoot for 31.
0: You and if you're with a partner, your partner do it separately. Don't talk to each other about it. Don't look at each other. Be in separate rooms. Right. Write these out and don't share it. Come back to, to the table with your retirement specialist and go through and watch what's different, what's the same. Right. What's important to you? What's not important to you? It's very interesting. But what, just in this conversation alone, we've uncovered health, wealth, connection, yep. family, yep. friends. Yep. Family, friends, you bet. That, that piece is your regardless. So when you're going through retirement, regardless of how long it is, if it's five years mm-hmm. or 200 years, yep. those three are your biggest foundation 100%. pillars of Retirement, right. So when things are not in sync with one of them, it causes turbulence in this overall view. Uh,
1: we had um, we had some wild markets again, uh, some volatility, shall we say? And you know, we talked about this with our client base, uh, let's say a couple of weeks ago, warning people that we're not done with the volatility yet. But let's maybe let's let's unpack a little bit about what what's happening in the markets and why we're seeing some of those ups and downs and the gyrations.
0: Yeah, so the first thing to, to, to focus on is why markets, especially when we say market, I'm referring to the stock market, primarily in the US, why we're seeing this type of volatility. Mm-hmm. The one thing that, that companies are valued on is forward earnings using some sort of discount model. Right. And that model has a lot to do with interest rates. If you can get four or 5%, Risk-free from the U.S. government for two years or six months, right? Then why would I take on risk from a company that doesn't have that growth? Or the, it, it,
1: the earnings ten years from now, right, get discounted much more aggressively than correct if rates are at zero.
0: The higher interest rates move up, <clears throat> the harder it is for companies to grow at a rate that you need to pretty much double, almost triple what the risk-free rate is in right. order to to make to make a return. So every time that there's a change in those numbers, you're gonna see a reaction in the markets. And that's the one word that we have to remember. It's reaction. Mm-hmm.
1: Let's talk a little bit about, um, about sort of month over month, just to start this year, right? Because I think it gives a decent setup to what we're seeing, right? Markets were anticipating something coming you know, into January, what they were anticipating was that inflation was coming down. The data s- still supports that. And
0: November, December, the numbers started to, s- to slow. Right. So that kind of gave people the comfort knowing that maybe they're not going to raise, they meaning central bankers, are not going to raise interest rates as much as we thought. So let's change the discount or that interest rate for guarantee, and let's put that out there, and now the market should move up, and that's why the market's moved up.
1: And adjusts uh, expectations around things like
0: recession as well, right? So right. There's, there's one set of reactions. Correct. Now comes... The January, February numbers, and we're like, oh, it's not. It's it's a bit more um, higher than we are expecting or hoping for. I think the word hoping for is mm. the better word here. And so maybe we should recalculate those numbers. Mm-hmm. And then you start seeing the interest rates go up on the short end, even though the central bankers haven't raised interest rates yet. They're anticipating that. And so the market, the bond market specifically, is finally in line, in what the central banks have said. But the stock market has reacted like that messaging was never clear. Yeah, well, not
1: that it wasn't clear, but it may not have been believed, right? Because the central, the the forward market, the the markets are forward looking. And central banks, we know, have to do and say certain things in order to break the back of inflation. And I would add to that, that central banks have probably lost a little bit of their credibility uh, over the last couple of years. And so there was a bit of a disconnect between what markets wanted to believe and what central bankers were saying.
0: <clears throat> when we look at the market and and how they have this lack of credibility mm-hmm. to the central bankers, what I find interesting is you don't have a choice but to believe them at some point in mm-hmm. time. Because they can push it into recession. Oh, for sure they can. They can, they can turn this thing around right. a lot quicker than what we would expect it to be. So now, we came on this show in the early part of this calendar year with our view that we're probably gonna hit a recession. Mild recession. And it'll be probably shallow. Mm -hmm. You won't see major impact in the economy. What you're hearing now is soft landing. Mm. And what you're hearing now is no landing. Yeah, that was an interesting one. That's just come up, sort of that language has come up in the last week. I think the aviation industry is talking to their pilots. (laughs) And some of the business community started listening to those conversations right. and took the words of soft landing, no landing, hard landing, right. and used it for us. Yeah. Okay, that's all I think that's happened. How do you determine what's going on? What is based on certain assumptions? <clears throat> the central banks have not said that. They're talking about it, but they have not communicated soft landing, hard landing, no landing. Okay? And so when we look at the data, the data says things are going to be choppy for the first half of the year at least
1: and and let's talk about why that is that choppiness comes from the uncertainty about and let's talk about the US Fed in particular of where the US Fed will stop what they're called, they their terminal rate when will they pause so we don't they, know yet
0: we don't know yet but we do have some anticipation <clears throat> based on the dot plots that says okay probably we're about 50 to 75 basis points away away from. so that means we're towards the end of this that's correct which the no one's talking about yeah and we're talking about getting to that point which is the most volatile part of the of the markets. Yeah. But what the market is missing out on at this point in time or what you're not going to hear much about until probably another 3 4 months from from now is that when we get to a point of a stop. It's not going to go up forever these interest rates. Right. It's not an infinite number of of increases. Right. There's a finite number. When we get to that point usually 12 to 18 months later, the markets rip. Right. I u- hardly use that word. Right. They rip. So how is your structure and discipline today? Is it only about today or is it about knowing that you have the data that says markets rip after a pause? Yeah. Which usually leads <clears throat> to nine months later, a cut.
1: Yeah, well, on average, historically, even, even shorter of that. But here, here's the, the question, right? And, and this is the debate. The emotion drives these short-term, these short-term questions. But if you miss that initial rip, you miss a significant chunk of the return. And so abandoning a strategy that, that is built for a longer period of time to try to make a timing decision is fraught with landmines. It's fraught with problems.
0: Correct. And so when we have built our growth bucket, We do not put all our money in the stock market. We do not put all our money in the bond market. We have five pillars. All have different objectives. Mm -hmm. They're invested around the world. You don't like a certain part of the world, you don't have to invest into it. There's higher risk in certain parts of the world, you can minimize that exposure. You can also get exposure to alternatives and other types of investments through our, our portfolio that doesn't have this type of volatility. Correct. And so there is an opportunity right now for people to say what is my structure how disciplined am i going to stay to that structure and let's focus on that right and then through these markets we'll have the returns that we need over time and over time in our view is a finite time right it's a finite time and so we put that in writing for our clients because that's the planning right that's the structure so i think when we're at this point in the in the crossroads of oh my god, twenty twenty two was it you know, not a great year. It's not turning out so far. Not being as fun in the markets. Well, it was fun to begin.
1: Now we're giving some back, right? We're, so you're getting this PTSD reaction for clients. Sorry for um, for investors. You get yeah. this
0: to last year, yeah. right? And so when you when you look at this gyration that's happening, it's going to cause a lot of anxiety. Anxiety. And I get it. Yeah. But let's look at the data. So, this is the time where portfolio managers understand the structure, the markets. They can explain their structure, why they're invested the way they are, and what's their cycle to get through this. Right. Our cycle is not years to get to through a program. Right. Through to profit, our cycle is substantially less than the market. Right. So how do you? have that approach. And I think that's what the key thing that anybody that wants to take away from this is understand that there is every portfolio manager out there has a structure. Every portfolio manager has a cycle they have to go through to realize their returns. And in our upcoming seminar, we are going to talk about how you look at portfolios one versus another and what's the true method of measurement to see what's right for you.
1: Yeah. What are results built on, right? It's it's not as simplistic as people think.
0: And so get ready for the next, I say 12 months, you're gonna see our industry promote their long-term returns, 10 years, so forth, because the last 10 years have done very well. Mm -hmm. So they're showing great numbers and that kind of gets individuals to think, I want that portfolio, I want that return, I want to buy that like it's a product.
1: Well, there's going to be a tendency to chase return in the absence of understanding
0: risk. And so that is what we're going to talk about at our upcoming seminar on how do you determine what's the right portfolio for your retirement. And that will be on Tuesday, March 21st, 7 p.m. at the Four Points Sheraton Hotel. You do need to register for this. So go to morethanmoneyradio.com.
1: On behalf of Faisal myself, Dave, I want to thank you for tuning in to another edition of More Than Money on QR Calgary. We'll talk to you next week.